Welcome everybody, welcome back to the Radio Free Biker Hour. This here is Joe McDonough, this is your uh, host and producer of this show. After being on hiatus for a few years, the RFB Hour is back and will be running strong. First, before I go any further, I want to give a little homage to a good friend and a former member of the Radio Free Biker team. For those of you who had listened to this show in the past, may have remembered Frank Bizarre known as the Motorcycle Medic. Frank passed away in 2009. He was an essential member and valuable asset to the show, and Frank will be truly missed. Frank, may you be riding the highways up in heaven. So, on this first episode since coming back online here on the RFB Hour, we have David Hastings, the Executive Director of the ABATE of California. We're going to talk a little about the Biker Rights Organization and what it's been up to. Also, we have Todd Chamberlain, who will co-host for what's known as Tool Talk. Today, he will tell you, the listening audience, a little about himself and where he came from, as well as a bit about Polaris Motors, which he had worked for for some time. But right now, let me turn over the show to my lovely wife, Marta Sanchez McDonough, who will give you some motorcycle-related news from around the world. SB 350, the bill that would introduce restrictive limits on how we split lanes in California, is for now dead. Here. Here is the news for this week's Radio Free Biker. SB 350, the bill that it would, would introduce restrictive limits on how we split lanes in California, is for now dead. Senator Jim Beal introduced the bill last February, and according to one of his staffers, Senator Beal does not plan to take any action on the bill in light of the lane-splitting guidelines issued by the California Highway Patrol. Had it passed, lane-splitting would have been limited to three conditions. The passing occurs during traffic congestion, the passing occurs at a safe speed. The section does not apply to a peace officer in the performance of official duties. The bill was ridiculously vague, and riders argued about what the bill actually changed. Motorcyclists can now breathe a massive sigh of relief at the apparent abandonment of the bill. Friday, January 24th, Northern Australian state of Queensland. The first woman has been arrested under the Vicious Lawless Association Disestablishment Act of 2013. The law that went into effect last, last October forbids three or more members of a criminal association, quote, from appearing together in public places like bars, restaurants, and hotels. The woman went into the Crown Hotel with two patched members of the Life and Death Motorcycle Club on December 19th. She was wearing a life and death property of Patch that identified her as property of Crow. None of the three were named, but the Brisbane Courier-Mail reported that the 40-year-old woman is believed to work for the Brisbane City Council as an assistant librarian. All three spent six days in jail. The homes of the three alleged offenders were then raided. The raids netted life and death related items, an illegal pet snake, small amounts of unnamed recreational drugs. Police also seized two motorcycles which the government intends to dramatically crush. The three accused faced charges of include, including being a member of a criminal organization in a public place, entering and remaining in a licensed premise while wearing prohibited clothing, possessing dangerous drugs, 
drug utensils, a protective animal, and a switchblade knife. Caracas, Venezuela. About 2,000 motorcycles swarmed the streets of Venezuela's capital to protest a proposed nighttime curfew on two-wheelers as part of a government crackdown on crime. The caravan protests barely disrupted traffic as they stayed concentrated near the slum of Petare on the outs outskirts of Caracas. In the wake of the shooting death this month of a popular actress and former Miss Venezuela, President Nicolás Maduro's government has supported proposals by cities across Venezuela to ban motorcycles from circulating after 7 p.m., arguing that the vehicles are the favored means of escape for hitmen and robbers. But in cracking down on two-wheelers, Maduro risks offending part of his socialist revolutions based among the poor. The late Hugo Chavez as president activity courted the support of motorcycle drivers and armed political troops on motorcycles, having long been used by the government to break up opposition rallies. It's a politically dangerous territory, said sociologist David Smiled, who for two decades taught in Venezuela is now, and is now a senior fellow at the Washington office on Latin America. Still, with polls showing security as Venezuela's top concern, the government has been under pressure to clamp down. Venezuela's murder has quadrupled in the 15 years since Chavez came to power, with more than 24,000 killings last year alone, according to the Venezuelan Observatory of Violence. While the government disputes those statistics, it says the vast majority of the slayings are carried out by motorized assassins. The bikers themselves, many of whom work as two-wheel taxis, say that they are being unfairly targeted. They say poor communities where public transport is slim would be the most hurt by the curfew, which they also say is unconstitutional. A delinquent can move by foot on motorcycle or in a Hummer, said Ivan Contreras, who for more than a decade has earned a living hurrying passengers through Caracas traffic-clogged streets. There's no need to punish everyone for the actions of a few black sheep. Bill Stanley always told friends and family he'd, buried, he'd be buried riding his Harley-David motorcycle. Now, thanks to his adoring family, his dying wish has been fulfilled. Billy Stanley was spectacularly laid to rest in a, in a Mechanicsburg cemetery in Ohio on Friday, January 31st, while seated on the back of his 1967 electric light cruiser. Thanks to the handiwork of five embalmers and a metal back brace and straps, the 82-year-old motorhead succumbed to lung cancer on Sunday, January 26th. He was seen being towed throughout town to the Ohio Cemetery while seated on his beloved Harley-David motorcycle. He had planned for years to be entombed with. Stanley's children said he talked about being buried with his bike for years. The elaborate casket to hold him in, his bike started taking shape about five years ago while he was still alive, they said. Black leather is Harley Papal style and revving engines don't chime well with the quiet contemplation. So the auction in Paris on Thursday of Pope Francis's Harley-Davidson motorcycle and jacket, with the combined proceeds going to charity, seemed to make a lot more sense. After a bidding war lasting six minutes, the auctioneer Bonhams said the 1,585cc bike given to Pope Francis by Harley-Davidson last June and signed by the Argentinian pontiff was sold to a private buyer in Europe for 241,500 pounds. 
The jacket, meanwhile, also signed by Francis, went to an anonymous overseas buyer for £57,500, Bonham said. The money will go towards the renovation of a hostel and a soup kitchen in Rome run by the charity Caritas. Ben Walker, ahead of motorcycles at Bonham, said, I am thrilled with the results achieved and am very pleased for the charity. It has to be a world record for a 21st century Harley-Davidson and certainly for a Harley-Davidson leather jacket. The reserve price for the Dyna Superglide had been just 12000 but Walker had knowledge that it was unknown how much the identity of its previous owner would affect the sale price. In my whole career, I've never had more interest in one motorcycle than this one, and it's gone viral. I've had inquiries from all across the globe, he told the BBC before the auction. And those are the news for Radio Free Bank. All right, sounds good. All right. And um, with that, we'll take a quick pause, and uh, we'll be back and uh, with our guest speaker here, David Hastings of uh, A-Bait. Took a look down a westbound road Right away I made my choice Headed out to my big two-wheeler I was tired of my own boy Took a beat on the northern plains And just rolled that power on Twelve hours out of Mackinac City Stopped in a bar to have a brew Met a girl, we had a few drinks, and I told her what I decided to do. She looked out the window a long, long moment, then she looked into my eyes. She didn't have to say a thing.
All right, yeah, we're back here on uh, Radio Free Biker, and I'm here with David Hastings. He's the executive director of the California A Bait. How are you doing, David? I'm doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me on the program. Good, good. Um, I was wondering if you can uh, tell the audience a little bit about A Bait, uh, what what it stands for, and its history. Okay. Uh, first off, the letters of A Bait. Uh, actually stands for American Brotherhood aimed towards education. And, um, well, biker rights groups basically started uh, back about in October of 1971 uh, by Easy Rider magazine. And uh, in about 1974, the original abate was opened in California. Uh, the modern abate that we have now was started in uh, 1981 by Deacon Dave Phillips. Uh, he's our founding father, as, as we look at it, as far as the modern debate. So we've been around about 33 years now. Uh, we have 27 active locals throughout the state of California. And we have members from basically uh, San Diego area all the way up to the Oregon border. And uh, we also have members out of state that are still active with our organization. So uh, we've been around a long time and uh, paid our dues. and. You know, we, uh, we like to think that we are the premier motorcycle rights organization in California. All right. Now, A-Bates, you said it started here in California and then went nationwide? Well, Easy Rider put out a, uh, a, a call to action back in uh, October of 1971 to basically organize all of the motorcycle riders nationwide. And uh, the first charter to California was actually issued about 1974, if I have my dates correct. Um, but uh, the modern debate, that, that debate basically was, it, it fell apart the scene. And uh, the modern debate that we actually call debate now was started in 1981. <clears throat> so that's where we come up with the 33 years. We're, we're counting 1981s. Are, we've been incorporated since 1981 to be the California. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's been over 30-some uh, years now. Um, yes, yes. Right. And uh, now, what's uh, what's been going on with Abate in these recent days here? Okay, a uh, couple things. Uh, as far as modern issues or whatever, uh, of course, um, well, a couple things. I'll just uh, hit on the, the current things and probably mean something to somebody right away. Uh, the motorcycle handlebar hike bill. Okay, we uh, we got that passed and, and okayed by Governor Schwarzenegger when he was back in 2004. Basically, we rewrote the law to, uh, you know, so that you couldn't get a ticket for just having modified handlebars. Uh, another important uh, piece of legislation was uh, the um, uh, right-of-way violation. Um, we, we got that through the state legislature back in 2006. Uh, so basically, if you are charged with a uh, motorcycle accident, before that, there was no penalties at all. And uh, so we, we get this legislation written. We hope to revisit that issue one of these days and be able to put a little bit more teeth in it. But uh, we do have something on the books now. Uh, we also were heavily involved in the in the smog that broke uh, laws that took a, uh, basically killed the smog check on motorcycles. Uh, and that law was signed in 2013. Uh, there was a bill that went through that tried to require an actual smog test, like you have to do on your cars and trucks, on all motors. Right? Mm, okay. We were able to stop that. 
Okay. Um, more current. Uh, last year, uh, 2012, I think it was, we got the motorcycle-only checkpoints stopped. Oh, okay. Uh, David, are you still there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay, I think I lost you there um, for a minute. Uh, again, you were saying something about the checkpoints? Yes. Uh, actually, the bill number was AB 1047. Uh, it was sponsored by um, uh, Assemblyman Jeffries. And uh, we, we were able to get a law enacted. It was signed by Governor Brown uh, in 2012 that prohibits uh, motorcycle-only checkpoints. So um, that, uh, that was a big, uh, a big plus. We're, we're, we're one of, if I remember correctly, there's only three states in the United States right now, three or four states in the United States that have a bill banning motorcycle-only checkpoints. Right. So, so those would be some important legislation that affects every motorcycle rider. Interesting. Uh, as far as pending legislation, um, of course, Abate has always uh, been a, a sponsor of a um, um, what we call our, our freedom of choice bill, a, uh, a bill that would allow you to choose to wear a helmet or not. We uh, do not currently have a bill in committee this year, but we will look at that again in the future uh, to give riders a choice. Uh, again, we are not anti-helmet. We just want freedom of choice uh, on that issue. And we're also looking at some possible motorcycle discrimination legislation. Uh, we're still looking for a um, representative to carry that legislation and uh, try to stop some of the uh, biker discrimination, if you want to call it, that's happened in California and nationwide. Right, I understand. Yeah, there was a big thing going on with what was known as like the profiling law or something? Yeah, some people call it motorcycle profiling. I mean, it, you know, it can be a simple thing as, uh, you know, if you have a, uh, a vest, you're not allowed into a, a business establishment. Uh, a more simple issue that affects every rider uh, would be, uh, well, as an issue, a few years ago, one of our uh, our, our actual uh, PAC chairman of our political action committee happened to be a woman. Her daughter was traveling cross-country had a hotel reservation, rode all day through the rain, pulled into their location that night, and as soon as they pulled up their motorcycle, uh, uh, they slipped on the no vacancy bike. She went up inside and said, I do have a reservation. They said, sorry, we are full. You must go someplace else. Oh, wow. Wow. Adamant discrimination just because she's a motorcycle rider. And um, so, like I say, those are things that we look at uh, when we talk about it's hard to believe in this day and age, um, given the, the changing demographics with, with uh, more older people. I mean, basically, the, the, the biker population has just gotten older and more well-off, and yet we're still seeing this kind of discrimination going on. It, it happens, and it, it probably has happened to all of us at one time or another, uh, you know, whether... Um, you know, you go out here to the Laughlin Motorcycle Run here in, in uh, Nevada each year, and, and you see it at a lot of restaurants and, and establishments. You know, they have what they call no-colors policies and things like that. Right, right. Uh, so that happens, but a lot of the discrimination is more subtle than that. Like I say, the thing about where, uh, you know, you, you call to make a reservation for an event, and you say you have motorcycles, and you say, oh, sorry, we're booked, or we do not cater to that type of event or something. 
Right, right. Well, you know, like I said, it, it just, um, you know, if we're looking to see what's going on down in Australia right now. They're, they're really having uh, discriminatory problems down there. Yes, yeah, and, and I'm like you. I've just seen what I've read uh, you know, on the Internet and the newspapers and it sounds like uh, extremely, I mean, you know, they're actually, you know, they can't associate with uh, friends and things like that just because they've been, and, and we're seeing that here. You know, sometimes our, our government has used the uh, the Act and stuff to uh, you know ban assemblies and some groups of people and stuff like that. So there's a lot of issues there, and uh, I'm not a legislator, and, and we have a lobbyist that actually handles that type of stuff, uh, and, and we have people with advisors on how to approach those issues as far as writing laws. But uh, we, as everyday writers, need to know that sooner or later that is going to have an effect on all of us. Right, right. What kind of motorcycle you drive? Right. Well, you know, well, at least one bit of uh, positive news it looks like is um, we had this uh, SP350 that was just defeated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Senator Peel has passed a law with a big outlaw of the wing splitting. Fortunately for us, the California Highway Patrol issued some guidelines that, you know, gives us the, uh, their, 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 uh, what do we call that, their attitude, their, their advice on proper lane splitting, uh, and that was a big help to us, and we were able to stop that bill and basically get it killed, uh, but again, like I say, a big does employ the full-time lobbyists in Sacramento that watches for stuff like that to come through. A lot of times, it gets cut away or hidden away inside a bill, and we have to look at it very, very closely to find the, you know, the, the dirty laundry, if you want to call it that, that's going to affect motorcycle riders. So, yeah, well, I, part of our job. <laughs> yeah, well, I went up to Sacramento uh, for that rally, and it was it was impressive with the turnout. Over like six thousand bikes from over the state that came in. So, hope you know, hopefully that that helped make the impact on it. You know, I, I was there also, and, and I was, I too was impressed. It, it was a, a, a conglomeration of people. You know, we had every rider from every aspect of motorcycling present at that event. Uh, and it was great to see everybody get together for a common cause. Uh, and, um, you know, I think we did make an impressive statement that day that we, we do mean business. We, uh, we're going to stand up for our rights, and, and uh, we're going to demand our rights. Um, there's work going on right now, or, or when I say work, they're, they're looking at doing another rally, possibly in Southern California someplace, still working on all the details. Um, I can't even say for sure that that will happen this year. There may be other issues that are, you know, that come up that are going to override that, but um, it's definitely out there on the agenda, and if it does happen, we will be the first one to let everybody know the dates and times and locations. Hopefully, have a huge turnout in Southern California. Sounds good. I mean, we need to unite every rider and you know have them stand up for the rights to ride. Yeah, and uh, I think I think that's 
I don't know if it's me that's noticing it, but it seems like as time's going on, um, it might be starting to see a little bit of um, uh, blurring in the lines between the, the different types of motorcycles out there, uh, between the European riders, the, the, the kids on the sport bikes, and, um, you know, us Harley riders. And I guess, you know, it, you know, you know, it'd be a positive thing, seeing more of a solidarity on this. And that's one thing that impressed me in Sacramento. We had every, almost every brand and type of brand of motorcycle and type of rider represented at that uh, unification rally. Um, you know, when I say we, I can't even tell you for sure who put that rally on. Everybody said, we're going to help. And really, nobody's taking credit for it. Yeah, yeah, and and like you said, it's not going away. If anything, uh, may grow more and more. Yeah. So, but uh, so how about like um, so what's what's in store for Abate in the future, or any any upcoming plans? Uh, you I know you were saying or talking about putting together a, the rally in Southern California sometime, but um, how about anything else? Well, other than the motorcycle discrimination uh, bill. Um, a helmet modification bill. Right now, uh, our issue this year really is, is trying to get motorcycle friendly cans into elected offices this year. Uh, BAIT does have a, a political action in group, and we support motorcycle friendly candidates. We work in their campaign. Uh, I would like to encourage everybody, you know, whether you're a member of a BAIT or not, contact uh, the BAIT local. Um, if I can give a little plug for our website, you can go on our website. Um, million ways to find it. I, I just went, for, uh, you know, you can go to uh, World Wide Web, Abate of California, or Abate.org, and either one will pull us up. Uh, and once you get on the website, it's, there's just a ton of information there. But uh, if you look under um, um, you know, our, our newsletters, you can download about, well, you can download every issue of our newsletter. We put out a, a monthly newsletter back in 2009. Find out a lot about our organization, <clears throat> our people, and uh, our goals. And um, you can also you know, pick up current uh, legislative issues. Um, you can join us if that's what you would like to do. We'd love to have you become a member. Again, we're nonpartisan. Uh, we don't care what kind of motorcycle you ride. You don't even have to own a motorcycle to belong to the state of California. You just have to want to protect your rights as an individual. And, um, there's links on there for our allies and business members and so on and so forth. We have a very, very informative website. So I'd like you to go to that uh, and hopefully become a member of the Native California. This year we're going to have a big push to elect motorcycle-friendly candidates in the office. And um, that's a, a focus of ours is to 
you know, if we have the right people in the right office, we have a year that will listen to us when one of these bills comes through, like Senator Beal's bill, we approached him, that this is wrong, and so on and so forth. We gave him logical reasons. And, um, you know, sometimes by having people there that understand what's going on, we can uh, either stop legislation before it even gets introduced, or we can modify or change legislation that's already on the books, like this particular bill, SB 350. Uh, we were able to stop that legislation. After we talked to Senator Beal and his staff, uh, they said, yes, we will put this on hold. We will stop it. So uh, we need more candidates like that, and we need more people to help us make sure that we only have motorcycle-friendly people in office in California, not only in the state offices, but, you know, get involved with your local elections, because most of the people are, have higher aspirations, and uh, every... Most of our state senators and representatives and governors started out in a lower position and worked their way up the ladder to get to where they're at today. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. And, um, you know, I applaud your effort and the effort of ABATE for uh, help getting these um, campaigns going and, and um, most importantly, educating the, the riding public out there on what's going on here. So, and, uh, well... Right now, I think, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And I'll be posting the Abate link up onto the Radio Free Bikers site there. So We would love to have you do that. All right. That sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, David. Thanks for coming on uh, the Radio Free Biker. Okay. Well, thank you for having me and, and letting Abate, uh, you know, giving us a plug and giving us a chance to get our message out there. And uh, if we can be of any help to you or if anybody has any questions, uh, if they go to the Abate website, they can contact me directly or uh, phone numbers. Everything's listed there. So uh, if you have any questions at all, just go on that website, and you'll probably find the answer. If you don't, contact someone, and we will get you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, and that was uh, Dave. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you very much for having us on the program. All right. Yeah. Yes. So that was uh, David Hastings, Executive Director of the California A-Bait. So uh, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Todd Chamberlain on uh, the tool topic. And so stand by. Horses made of iron, leather seals me from the cold. Never in one place too long, always heading for somewhere. Don't know where I'm going, I'll find out when I get there. Some look at me as lazy, a drifter is my trade. Don't have no ties to buy me Got a few dollars that I made While passing through a one-horse town Where I barely broke free In the arms of a sweet young thing Left crying over me
was the drifter from Sherry Hill. All right, we're back here on Radio Free Biker, and um, want to introduce everyone to our uh, news person here. His name's Todd Chamberlain. He's going to be the spokesperson for the Tool Talk, who's basically going to provide us with uh, maintenance and technical issues on bikes. Um, hello, Todd. How are hey, you doing? Hey, how you doing? Good. Um, well, tell uh, tell the radio audience a little about yourself and who you are. And uh, All right. I don't want to bore the people too much. Um, currently, I am a European motorcycle uh, factory-trained technician on Ducatis, Triumphs, and MV Agustas, and also Moto Guzzi's. I have spent uh, 10 years with Polaris Industries in engineering, developing... Uh, Basically, the Vegas, the Vision, all the newer bikes coming up through. Got done with them about five years ago. I was doing some freelance <clears throat> um, endurance, uh, durability testing on motorcycles with a company out of Lake Havasu. Uh, before that, I had uh, my own private shop. Um, I've been racing since the mid 90s. I've been currently. My racing escapades have just been a handful of track days lately up here in Northern California, but I also do crew chief um, I, uh, for a team. Monroe Motors is actually a shop I work at. Uh, we do a lot of AMA rounds. I crew for Nick Heyman and also Tom Montano. Uh, most recently this summer at Laguna Seca at the MotoGP round. In Supersport, we took 15th out of about 39 riders, I think, uh, with Tom Montano riding a Triumph uh, Daytona 675. And uh, a couple years ago, I did a couple of uh, stunts out of Bonneville with a customer of mine. We ran a uh, Ducati Diablo the first year. We didn't set the record in that class, but the following year we took a Ducati Penegale out and we actually did set a record that year. And my rider, Andy Sills and Aaron Hunter, <clears throat> they were uh, they had a couple BMWs also, the S1000s, and they set a couple of pretty substantial speed records um, with the Beamers. So that's kind of a basic background of what I do. And uh, currently I have a few custom bikes. Um, and my custom bikes aren't your typical Harley Davidsons. I do more performance bikes. I, uh, my current projects I'm working on are taking DR650s and put SV650 engines in them with the SV uh, suspensions and turn them into some really fun street bikes. Are you talking about the Victories? Um, victories that I don't really work on a lot of victories currently, although I still am in touch with the, with the boys in Polaris. Actually last winter I ran down to Lake Havasu for a few, few weeks and helped them out with the Indian project. Polaris Industries owns Indian now and they have the new bike out. So I helped them out for six or seven weeks, uh, finishing up some software issues and just get some general durability done on those bikes. Right, right. Uh, now when you were working in Polaris, you were working out here and, um, uh, Northern California with the RNS. Uh, uh, that was actually after I worked for Polaris. Uh, I spoke with Corey, Corey Ness, and I came out, uh, moved out here to uh, California at that point from Minnesota. So I moved out here from uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin area. That's where Polaris is based. And started working for the Nesses uh, in his R&D department, developing new parts, uh, new cool little trinkets and, and whatnot. And I also helped him develop one of his LLC bikes, the Victory Lowliner. 
um, not to get too much off topic here, but since you have worked with uh, Polaris and, and uh, with the victories, how are you thinking where their future is heading? Uh, they are super solid. <clears throat> um, the victories, the first few two or three years of production, they were they were still lagging in quality, and they knew it. Um, and O2 is when the new engine came out, the Freedom engine. And in O4, I believe, Victory, I think, came out number one in the JD Power numbers in 26 of 32 categories, I want to say. Pretty much toppled everybody. And for a small company out of the Midwest, um, it definitely got some attention of everybody that uh, their quality is through the roof. So there's really strong bike. The Victories have been built for since 99, so we've got 15 years now with those bikes. And they still lead the quality numbers um, of most all manufacturers. And they're getting a really good backing. But uh, the Indian is really gonna, is really taken off. Polaris has kept that separately badged from the Victories. Well, let's hope uh, this uh, three times a charm. I mean, we saw what happened to Indian back in the earlier days. Um, they basically... Um, were outbidded by Harley Davidson, and then uh, about 10, 15 years ago, someone had bought up Indian and tried yeah, the, to get that. The boys going. in Gilroy up here in Northern California had it. Uh, they were based out of Gilroy, and what they were building basically were kit bikes. They were using S and S engines and a lot of sourced parts, and basically just kind of putting everything together. Very low quality. Um, you know, other than the the big fenders, it really didn't scream Indian at you, those bikes. You know, they were more kit bikes. And when they came out with their own engine, it was called the Merch. Um, they introduced it to the press, and I want to say that was probably 2006. I'm kind of guessing on that. It was in that area. They introduced that bike and engine to the press and then promptly went out of business the following Monday. <laughs> so, oh man, yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a, a pretty big failure on their part to actually develop an engine and not really get it into production. So some people from England, uh, it was a group that um, bought up Chris Craft and saved that company, and a bunch of other investors from England bought the Indian name and moved it to Kings Mountain, South Carolina. I want to say so. They bought everything. Um, they had a lot of cash up front. And they really tried to get this new bike, new engine going. I rode quite a few of them. Um, always had some teething pr problems. They never really got a lot of stuff worked out. Uh, they sold a handful. Um, then Polaris actually snapped them up, I want to say, three years ago. Um, and they built another four or 500 of, of the, they call them King's Mountain bikes now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Polaris... Um, Bought that up and just kind of continued through with the parts that they had left to build the King's Mountain bikes. Uh, but a little over two years ago, they developed the new Indian, which is totally new from ground up. There is not one piece used off the old bikes. Uh, they developed the new engine. Um, Polaris is in bed with Swiss Auto overseas, and uh, that group overseas actually developed the engine. It's a push rod. They call it the Thunderstroke, I believe. I think it's a 110 cubic inch. It's a big engine with big burly power. Um, really modern electronics, actually fly by wire. Um, it's a whole bus system through the whole bike. Really works well. It's a super bike, really fun bike to ride. I think Polaris, uh, they're selling through on these things right now. And it's got a lot of a lot of interest in the motorcycling community. Even I don't hang in the cruiser crowd quite as much as I used to. Um, but even my cruiser and sport bike friends up here in Northern California, 
have taken notice of this bike, and they're, everybody's pretty excited about it. Isn't uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, La Can Am is that is that under the Polaris? Uh, no, Can Am is actually Bombardier Bombardier. They're from out of Canada. Um, they the Bombardier Corporation builds like Learjets and uh, train cars, but they have a power sports division that's kind of run by the old the old Bombardier family that's mm. separate from the rest of the business. Okay, and that's where you're seeing the spiders. Uh, the three-wheeled vehicle from K&M. That's, that's actually Polaris and Bombardier have been head-to-head competitors for many, many years in the snowmobile market. Mm. Um, Bombardier has been building some really good sleds for years. Polaris has been building really nice sleds for many years. So that's where they've had a, a constant headbutting and nice nice competition. And when K&M came out, the K&M name of Bombardier came out with a spider, you know, everybody was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Uh, but they're kind of staying out of the whole motorcycle market. Um, Polaris is really, um, they've been doing it, well, the project's been going on since the mid-90s, is uh, Polaris being involved in motorcycling. So they've actually got a lot of history now and a pretty good uh, customer base, and they're pretty well known all over the world, actually. The Victories are a really stout bike. I actually still own one myself, and I just totally love the bike. Yeah, I was uh, I was amazed um Sonny Barger, Godfather of the Hell's Angels, most everybody know who he is. Um, I guess he had got some kind of a deal a few years back with yeah, uh, the Yeah, that's kind of funny. It was a nobody knew what happened, but it was definitely a Polaris Arlen Ness kind of a deal and got uh, Sonny a victory vision. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, he knew that I had worked for victory when I was working for Arlen. And he had my personal cell phone number, and he was always calling me up. You know, hey, what can we do to this thing? Are you talking about Sonny? Sonny, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. It was like, Sonny, you know, just ride the bike. Yeah. It doesn't need more power. Are you ever, you know, sitting there just wishing you had more? Well, no, not really. Just ride the bike. Well, there were rumors that he even had Thunderheaders put on her. I don't know if that's Yeah, he's he's had a handful of stuff done to uh, his bike. I don't think he has the vision anymore, but I believe um, Big Wayne from over at... uh, Frisco. Frisco Choppers, California Choppers, mm-hmm. uh, was saying, I believe he has a new Victory Crossroads now. Mm, okay. And uh, apparently is totally loving that bike. And talking to Big Wayne a few couple months ago, I go over and see him once in a while to get some parts, um, is actually very impressed with the Victory and has, has told me that his next new bike he gets is probably going to be one of these new Victories because he's, you know, Sonny's impressed with it. And they're very stout bikes. You're not going to kill these bikes. Trust me. Yeah. Well, he just uh, they just did a really good plug on it. Um, product placement in the movie uh, Dead in Five Heartbeats. It was oh. uh, based on a book. Yeah. Sonny uh, Barger and had it made into a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's kind of like a s- small. Um, I wouldn't say low budget, but it was a small independent film that mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. It was circulated around the country and at select theaters. Right. And uh, but in the movie, it was all pretty much victories that were used mm-hmm. in uh, in the movie. Yeah, you know, they're they're a very impressive bike. And if you've never ridden one, <clears throat> and if you're a Harley aficionado, I would highly suggest go throw a leg over one sometime. Um, these bikes basically, like the big their their 106 cubic inch engine comes out of the factory with uh, I want to say about 90. I believe it's about 92 horse, but they run up about 98 to almost 100 foot-pounds of torque out mm. of the factory with all the emissions, 50-state legal bikes. Mm. Um, you start throwing little little pipes at them, a little bit of work, and you can get up into the 100 foot-pound you know, 
very easily. Yeah. They're, they're incredible bikes. And like I say, if you've never ridden one, you know, go find one somewhere and throw a leg over it. You're probably going to really like it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, um, well, Todd, yeah, so that's that's pretty insightful stuff here. Yeah, about it, the... It's a nice, uh, you know, it's a nice, nice lead in to yeah. what, uh, try to let everybody, you know, kind of know some of my background here and fairly knowledgeable on motorcycles. That's how I've been putting yeah. uh, peanut butter on the table for a number of years on every different end of motorcycling, you can imagine. All right, so there it is. That's Todd Chamberlain. He's going to be our permanent uh, co-host here on Radio Free Biker. Uh, he's going to oversee the Tool Talk uh, segment. When we get more things lined up down the road, we'll set up um, email links and stuff. If you have questions, you can email to um, Todd's Tool Talk. And, uh, and definitely when that starts rolling, um, if I don't have an answer for you, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to go blowing smoke up your butt, but I will find out an answer to your question. I do know people uh, all over the industry. All right. Sounds good. Well, welcome aboard on uh, Radio Free Biker, Todd. Cool. All right. And uh, we'll be back in a minute. and We'll give you some uh, updates on uh, events and things coming up. Stand by. Drink that whiskey, smoke all them cigarettes. I've been trying to get my throat clear, but I haven't done it yet. High and dry's the way I wait, one day at a time. With that roar of dirty thunder Riding through my mind The roar of dirty thunder I hear it every day They fire up those Harleys Then they ride away I hear that dissing rumble Of that panhead friend of mine It's that roar of dirty thunder Riding through my mind And that was uh, the roar of Dirty Thunder from the Fry Brothers, who will be playing later in uh, March in Dixon, California. All right, we're back here on Radio Free Biker, and about to wrap things up here. I uh, want to go ahead and give you uh, a few events that's going on around the country here for the next uh, few weeks, February, March. Um, here in Northern California, we have the Bike Blessing going on Saturday, February 15th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at 653 A Street in Galt, California. Also, we have A-Bait 17, 3rd Annual Texas Hold'em, which is going on Saturday, February 15th from 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. That's located at 
6585 Gibson Canyon Road in Vacaville, California. Coming up in uh, Saturday, February 22nd, we have the Blue Bulls Run. That's Saturday, February 22nd, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's located at 115 Woodmere Road in Folsom, California. And this event's put on by the Resurrection MC. We have also we have a pack run and spaghetti feed going on Saturday, twenty February twenty second, and um, from ten a.m. to three p.m. This located at two fifty North Montgomery Street, in South San Jose. This is put on by Top Hatters Motorcycle Club. We have also have the Fried Brothers band that's going to be playing Saturday, March. 1 and 2 from 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. I'm sorry, 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. at the American Legion Hall located at 1305 North 1st Street in Dixon, California. And we also have A Bates 26th Annual Freeze Your Ass Off Run at Saturday, March 1st from 9 p.m. to 4 p.m. That's located at 110 Peabody Road at Vacaville, California. And moving on down to uh, Southern California, we have Biggs Free Breakfast and Lunch Crew Ride, February 15th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. This is located at 1040 Los Felicitos Boulevard in San Marcos, California. We also have the 7th Annual American Legion Riders Chili Cook-Off. This is at March 1st, 11 a.m., 5 p.m. Location is 400 North Berlado in Palm Springs, California. In Las Vegas, we have the Bordello Thunder Run. That's going to be going on Saturday, March 1st from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And it sign-up is at Red Rock Harley-Davidson at 2260 South Rainbow Boulevard, Las Vegas, Nevada. Moving on over to Southeast in the United States, we have the Healing Heroes Freedom Fest 2014. This is at February 22nd, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Located at the Sun and Fun Grounds, 4175 Medulla Road in Lakeland, Florida. We also have the LOH Jambalaya Cook-Off Saturday, March 1st, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m at Bayside Harley-Davidson. This is located at 2211 Frederick Boulevard in Portsmouth, Virginia. And then on Saturday 1st, we have 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. We have the Diabetes Fundraiser for Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. This event is located at the Beach House at 7219 Market Street in Wilmington, North Carolina. Moving on up to the Northeast, we have the 17th Annual Tattoo Convention, March 7th to March 9th at the Roseland Ballroom. This is located at 239 West 52nd Street in New York City, New York. And then out in the Midwest, we have the Motorcycle Life Expo, February 15th and 16th from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m at the National Sports Center located at 1700 105th Avenue in Northeast Blaine, Minnesota.
And that about does it here for uh, Radio Free Biker for this week here. So, as I always say, get out and ride, but ride safely. <clears throat> I'm the